Welcome, everybody, to the brand new season two of Bayshek and Brown Hoops Up and Down podcast. This is episode overall number 33. I am joined by the host with the most, Bob Bayshek. And as always, we have a very special. It's the new league. This is day one of the NBA season, season number 75. Introduce our guest for this. What up, BNB Nation? How's everybody doing tonight? Oh, we're doing fantastic, Bob. We are really excited for the, the season to start tonight. Of course, this is with all the anticipation and weight has been uh, uh, arriving, waiting for. We get to see your favorite, the, the Golden State Warriors, against Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets right off the bat. I know you're very I- excited about that matchup, Bob. I, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. We got KD coming back from the dead. We got Steph back to show that he could maybe get his third MVP. I, I'm just excited to see that. And don't forget, we got Clippers and Lakers. We got a crosstown showdown right now, which which I think the Lakers will take handily because right now the Clippers are a mess, but that's a, another story. But what I'll do, I'll introduce our wonderful guest that we have today. He is uh, somebody who loves the Chicago Bulls and – I found his podcast on Stitcher months ago, and it was such a wonderful listen. I mean, he's the reason why I got Stitcher. And I knew when I heard Sirius by the Alan Parsons project and that this Bulls fan was on an almost Quixotic mission of fixing the Bulls during the dark times, it was a great listen. We got the one, the only, Matt Gentile. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, fellas. How are you both doing? Fantastic. Oh, we really appreciate you, you joining the, the BNB Nation this evening on the opening night of the NBA season. We appreciate that. If, if, um, I want to say that if, 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 Bob, you got Stitcher because of the Rebuildable podcast, then I, I need to talk with Stitcher about maybe getting some residuals from that. That's a big deal. You're downloading <laughs> because of that. Oh, no, definitely. I mean, like, you're one of the people who inspired me to maybe uh, try a podcast. So, uh, Theus nudged me to it but i know you were one of the people who got that percolating you know in my head but no definitely if there any way i can help with that i definitely want to do that Absolutely. well we'll see we'll see i'll, I'll put some charts together we'll, we'll, we'll get talking on that <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah matt can you tell us a little bit um tell our listeners about uh the rebuildable podcast you do like kind of the topics you talk about maybe the um you know, the apps that people could listen to it on, you know, stream it, uh, maybe what's your social media handle so people could follow it? Absolutely. Yeah. My, my social media handle, you can follow me directly. I'm at M Gentile. That's G E N T I L E. It's M Gentile 88. Um, I usually tweet out episodes there and, and all my thoughts on the bulls, NBA, um, some other Chicago sports as well. Uh, but you could follow the podcast directly at rebuild underscore a underscore bowl probably one of the most inconvenient Twitter handles out there, but you know, I, I got to take what I can get. Um, and it really, we stream it anywhere you find your podcasts, you know, Stitcher, Google play, uh, Apple podcasts, Spotify. I mean, we're all, we're on all those major platforms where you get your podcasts. Um, it's basically like the, the inspiration behind it. I created it in 2019, just after the end of the season. And it was you know, in the middle of the, the Bulls rebuild while Gar Packs were, were still running the show uh, in the front office. So the, the whole point of the podcast was to get other Bulls content creators on to deliver their rebuilding plan for the Chicago Bulls. You know, mm-hmm. basically take the, the current scenario that the team was in in 2019 and build it into a title contender within two to three seasons. That was the goal. Uh, so it was really, really cool. Um, started to build a, a good base by getting all those content creators on, all those other podcasters, bloggers, reporters. And, uh, you know, it, it's built up a nice following now. We kind of take a little bit of a different direction just because uh, the regime has changed now with Arturis Karnaschovas and, and Mark Eversley running the show, Billy Donovan as head coach. So we now kind of are looking to how – this current iteration, you know, what are some of these long-term moves that, that can be made? Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting. There, there's, I feel like, a lot of different takes and uh, different perspectives from Bulls fans out there on how to make this a, a viable solution, how to make this team a title contender. So um, we try to go, go at it from all angles, 
get all types of guests with different perspectives. And sometimes I, I just do, you know, solo podcasts and everything, but uh, yeah, it's been going well for the last, last two seasons. And I'm really excited for this upcoming year for the Bulls. Matt, we, we shared off air kind of in the pre-show production meeting about, you know, I'd mentioned I'd, I'd heard a certain Bulls commentator with his uh, kind of enthusiastic outlooks on the Bulls season this year saying they would double down on their win total from last year from 22 to 44. Um, some of his major points were like a lot of people would have come away impressed with the the early play of Pat Williams. Uh, someone call him like an old sore, like a Yoda. Uh, the, the way he mm-hmm. kind of slavery plays the game. Um, and some of Stacey King's points were that the – and one thing I like myself, Matt, and, and Bob, is that the resurgence of Laurie Marketing and the post in the preseason, he seems to be very aggressive and just kind of back to maybe even more than what he was before, more attacking the basket and just playing basketball all around and not standing around the perimeter. I think that's one of the big keys in the uh, – many people have mentioned the shooting of Cody White, Kobe White and Zach Levine. And uh, hopefully, like you said, with the health of Wendell Carter and some of the other pieces. But what what is your major, maybe one or two points for you thinking that the Bulls will be able to improve from last year's total? Well, actually, um, yeah, I, I think the the biggest factor for me is Billy Donovan. Um, that's being a, a professional head coach who can actually build something around his player strengths. I think is key. We saw a lot of regression with, with Jim Boylan as head coach, or at least status quo play with Jim Boylan as head coach. You saw it with Laurie Markkinen. You know, Laurie Markkinen had a really productive rookie season, and year two was sort of uneven, especially when Jim Boylan became the, the interim head coach. And then last year with, with Jim Boylan running the show, uh, Laurie looked kind of lost out there. Yeah, he was standing around at the three-point line a lot. Um, I think the handling of Kobe White, was a little uneven at times, you know, the, it, he didn't really have a, a sense of, of direction of what his role should be. It was sort of just, you know, take the ball, go score, be a spark plug. That was it. And there really wasn't an emphasis to make him a true playmaking point guard or anything like that. Uh, Wendell Carter. I think Wendell Carter suffered a lot by having Jim Boylan as his head coach. You know, Wendell Carter's a really good high post passer. I think has some ability to be a mid range shooter, uh, even a three point shooter. Um, he struggled in preseason a lot shooting the three. He had a lot of wide open looks, and I think only made one of them. Um, but I think with more time, he'll get better. Um, but, I, you know, I think a lot of it was really just not having good direction and, and emphasis on player development with their head coach. So I really think that Billy Dom is going to be one of the biggest bright spots for, for this team this year. Um, in terms of just individual players, I, Wendell Carter is somebody I'm really high on in 2021. I, I really think that we're going to see more of an emphasis to make Wendell Carter a catalyst within the offense. Um, I mentioned that he's a really good high post passer. Look at Billy Donovan's track record with, with high post passers, Joe Kim Noah, Al Horford, uh, and Kyle. Look professionally at the NBA, Steven Adams really felt as a high post passer in OKC with, with Billy Donovan. So I'm really excited about, about that and what Wendell Carter can do. Um, and, you know, you mentioned Kobe White. Kobe White, um, I, I think there's there's a lot of excitement amongst Bulls fans because we saw what he could do when he was inserted into the starting lineup. I think there's questions about his defense, but I think he's going to take a massive step up step up this year for sure scoring-wise. Um, you know, now can they do enough defensively to uh, not fall behind in a lot of these games? And, and can they, you know – tighten up on that end of the floor to maybe increase the win total. Uh, we'll see. I, I don't think it's going to be like what Stacey King said. If they double down, then somebody's taking a huge step up this season, if, if that's the case. But, um, you know, I, I think that it's going to be sort of a, a rough start. That's a really tough start of the schedule for the Bulls. They have some really stiff competition that first month. So it'll be a really tall task to, to double down. I, I certainly think they're going to be better, but I don't know about a, you know, 44 win season this year, especially in the 72-game schedule. And, folks, again, we thank you for listening live here on Anchor.fm uh, to Bajic and Brown Hoops Up and Down podcast. We are live with the great Matt Gentile here. Uh, and we had, had a second question, uh, Matt. So we, we did mention, I know a lot of our BNB Nation know that I'm a big uh, Duke Blue Devil fan, so I definitely have watched Wendell Carter play a lot. But uh, speaking of the ACC, about the young rookie, Pat Williams, um, 
a lot of people made a big hoopla of him not starting in his collegiate career. And some people uh, know that they're in that same conference and asked what I thought of him. I wanted your opinion, Matt. I kind of know he won't be a player like a uh, Zion or John Morant, but to me, he kind of reminds me of a guy that can contribute right away, uh, possibly could be in the starting lineup, but kind of reminds me of a mode of maybe like a Harrison Barnes type mode when he was with Golden State. Uh, some of that could just be like a glue guy or a staple. Do you kind of agree with that type of a comparison? Did you have anything different that Bulls fans might look forward to with, with Pat Williams? You know, that's an interesting comparison because, like, you know, a lot of people kind of crap on Harrison Barnes because he got a big payday, but really for what his role's been in the NBA, I mean, that's that's not a bad comparison, guy that you can rely on consistently every night. Um, I think with Pat Williams, one of the comparisons Bulls fans keep hearing, and um, I think a lot of the, the analysts that cover the team, they throw out the Jimmy Butler comparison. Oh, yeah. uh, that, you know, kind of coming into the league with a defensive first mentality. I think that's one of the main reasons and still has a lot, a lot of room to grow offensively. Uh, the thing with him, he's going to he's definitely going to contribute, I think, early. You know, the one thing when you're a rookie, if you have defensive traits right away, you have those instincts like you're, you're going to get minutes. And I think he's definitely going to be on the, the floor early. Uh, it's kind of this. Um, there's sort of like a. A lot of speculation going on about uh, tomorrow the Bulls tip off. And there's kind of speculation that he might actually get the nod over Otto Porter in the starting lineup. That Otto Porter might slide into the second unit to give them a little more offensive pop and put Patrick Williams in with with this uh, starting five, which would be kind of cool to see him with this group. Um, You know, I think either way, he's going to get a lot of minutes. But I'm really high on him. And I really think if there was an NCAA tournament this year, I really think people would have seen a lot of Patrick Williams, and I think the, the narrative would have been different when, when he got picked number four. Um, it's certainly I, one thing to kind of throw in here, too, for your listeners. I think for Bulls fans, um, it was sort of a surprise because you didn't really hear Patrick Williams' name. In fact, I did a preview before the draft with uh, Michael Walton. He's from Bulls Confidential, really great blog. Um, he does a lot of you know write-ups on – college guys and, and really does deep dives on college prospects. And we were talking, we maybe only spent about 20 seconds on Patrick Williams. We didn't get into him a lot. And there really wasn't a lot of speculation around him until about 36 to 24 hours before the draft. So, you know, the, the new front office is very tight lipped on some of these moves that they they make. Um, so when, when Patrick Williams got here, I think a lot of Bulls fans were surprised, but, you know, doing research on him and, and reading up on, on him and some of the articles before the tournament happened. I mean, a lot of people are having him as somebody poised to break out. So I do think if, if there was a tournament uh, this past year, I think people would know who Patrick Williams was. And, and there might've been a little more, maybe excitement amongst uh, NBA fans prior to the draft. Definitely. Uh, Matt, you know, I was listening to a recent podcast you did, and you were talking about how this season is going to be a big, year of evaluation because there's new leadership. You don't have what I used to call the three stooges running the team. I think you got guys who are very competent. Um, and it seemed like the big evaluation is going to be Laurie Markinen and Zach Levine with whether you are going to continue building with these guys or maybe flip them for assets or a great player. Can you tell our listeners maybe what you're kind of looking for in those two players in this make or break year? Yeah, I think from, from Zach Levine, it's, you know, when I say this, I think a lot of people might raise their eyebrow. I, I kind of hope he stays somewhat status quo offensively. I think he's done a lot there to really develop his game each and every year. Like since he's joined the Bulls, I think he's always added something to his game. You know, a little more consistent from the three-point line, a little more dynamic of a score. Um, and I think he has to be for this team. Um, you know, I, I think one area I'd like to see him improve on is maybe – being able to share the rock a little more. I think this preseason he's shown that. And I think that with the the system that Billy Donovan's instilling with a lot of motion in the half court, more of a fast breaks in the open floor, I think that he's going to, to do more of that. And because really Zach Levine is a very underrated passer. I don't think he gets enough credit for that. Um, so I think, you know, if he kind of stays status quo and, and plays within that Billy Donovan system, I think, I think he's, he's poised to have a great year offensively. I think the defensive end, um, I'd like to see him get just a little bit better there. 
Um, I, one of the points on, on last podcast that we did, it was a, we did a two part on uh, previewing the Bulls this season. I had uh, Doug Tonus on. He's the Bulls podcasting realm. Uh, he hosts a podcast called Bulls Beat. And I had him on, and one of the points he brought up that I thought was great about something that they should try with Zach Levine is having him play more on ball on these faster point guards. Because Zach gets into a lot of trouble off the ball. Like, all of his deficiencies happen when he's off the ball and something happens, like somebody back cuts and and he's kind of lost and he's slow to react. But when he's on the ball, he's actually not too bad. I think he's actually pretty underrated defensively when he's on the ball. So that would be kind of an interesting thing to see with him this year. Um, now with Laurie Markkinen, I think what I got to see is him just being more aggressive, you know, as, uh, you know, Theus brought up there, like that was one of the things you saw more in preseason this year, that he was a little more aggressive, taking it to the rim, not standing at the three point line. Um, I think you need to see that. And I think he's certainly going to be motivated, you know, now that he's, playing for an extension or playing for a new contract. You know, someone's probably going to pay him. This 2021 free agent class is drying up very fast. And, you know, Larry Marketing might get a prime opportunity, whether it's with the Bulls or with somebody else to you know, possibly make 18 to 20 million a year. I know that sounds crazy, but I mean, we know how NBA GMs are. They'll, they'll throw money at whoever is the best on the market, uh, especially if they're desperate. So, I mean, Laurie Markkinen's got a lot to, to prove, and I, I kind of think he's he's setting himself up to do that. So um, I am expecting, you know, big things from them. Uh, again, though, I, I don't know if it will be enough for the Bulls to be like a, a middle seed in the in the East or anything like that, but I, I certainly think that it'll definitely make this team in, you know, in a better position than it was a year ago. Matt, I think he'll be very well, well worth it. I think what we saw yesterday with some of the – massive extensions given to my Duke guy, Luke Kennard, and with all due respect to their abilities mm-hmm. and talents, but uh, if, if Laurie, Laurie Markin is going for $80 million, that's a steal. Well, you know, it, it, I think it depends, though. Like, if he's going for $80 million and he puts up that production kind of closer to his rookie year, where he, he's putting in like 17, 18 a game, he's shooting maybe around 45% from the field, 40, you know, one from three. I think if he's doing that, and he's he's playing a lot more efficient than he did last year. I think then there's a reason to do it because of his age, potential that he could even be better than where he is uh, coming out of this year. I think that then they probably would do it. But, um, you know, as, as Bob was saying uh, about the point that I've made a lot about this being a season of evaluation, I totally like what the Bulls were doing here. Just, you know, if, if they could have gotten him for a steal, if, if he would have, you know, decided, hey, I'm, I'm going to take a deal for 16, you know, or maybe even like 15 million a year. If, if he had said that, like, I'm cool taking that deal. I think the Bulls would have done it yesterday. I think they would have extended him on that. But I think they're going to hold out on that that 20 million because, um, you know, I, I think they want to see, can he take that next step and be, you know, consistently productive this season? If he does it, then I think, you know, if they don't beat, other teams to the punch. If another team comes out there and, and offers him, you know, a four-year, eighty million dollar contract, uh, I think the Bulls would probably match that if he's, you know, productive this season. But yeah, I, I think for them, it's definitely a year of evaluation. So I think uh, I, I do like the wait and see approach with him. Speaking about evaluation, Matt, uh, you know, everybody's been analyzing and over analyzing Pat Williams, but the Bulls got another guy and. Uh, Marco Simonovic, who is from Montenegro, and we know that uh, Arturis, you know, is very good with international scouting. Can you tell us a little bit about Marco's game and maybe what uh, Bulls fans should look out for? Well, you know, there, there hasn't been a lot that I know. There hasn't been like a lot of unique reports on him. And I, everything that I've read, it, it sort of mirrors a poor man's Nikola Jokic. And I hate to use that comp just because it's it's Karnaschovas. Um, the story about Karnaschovas is he was the person in the Nuggets front office that was really high on, on Nikola Jokic. And of course, they picked him in the second round in 2014. And now he's become a an all-star caliber center in the league and, of course, an MVP candidate a couple of seasons ago. Um, 
and really it's kind of like the same skill set. He's a good passing big man. He's really quick and, and I, well, I, I know Jokic isn't fast, but he's got those quick feet in the post, which help him score a lot. So it's kind of some similar or similarities to him. And, you know, for right now, the, the goal for the Bulls, I guess, with him is to just kind of stash him away and in the next year or two see if, if he's worth bringing overseas. So, you know, I think they want to have as much flexibility as possible for the next season or two. Um, so it really wouldn't surprise me if, you know, he's maybe within their plans by 2022. But he's, he's an interesting prospect. But, you know, I, I don't want to pretend I'm an expert on him by any means. But from everything I've read, uh, the definite comps to being a, a good passing big man are there. So a lot of people are saying, you know, a, a very uh, poor man's Nikola Jokic. Matt, we had a uh, poor question um, I, I want to ask if you would be comfortable. And I was going to kind of get into that, the second year Bulls. But we had a, a recent poll question uh, on Bajic and Brown. Uh, we're asking what young player would you build around uh, if you were an NBA executive or coach? Uh, and the vote was between Trey Young, uh, John Morant, Devin Booker, and Luka Doncic. Oh, I Luka Doncic hands down. Like Luka Doncic to me is is poised to be an MVP candidate this year. I don't know if I could say the same about those other guys. Um, they're all intriguing in some way. Like John Morant's an intriguing prospect to me in that list. And that's somebody that I think could take a, a massive step in, in year two. Um, Trey Young's intriguing. There's some things defensively that I don't like about him. Uh, and I, he's a little too much of a high volume scorer for me at the point card position. Uh, you know, Devin Booker, I've, I've always liked his game, but again, to me, he's, he's kind of, I feel like he's a bit of a one dimensional player at times. I feel like Luka Doncic, though, his playmaking ability, his scoring ability, he's only going to get better defensively. I mean, his his size. Like, there's, I don't know if there's anything not to love about Luka Doncic. I'm curious, like, is he winning that in a in a runaway in that poll? Uh, yes. Yeah. Overall, we did have. Uh, well, yeah, that that poll actually did finish, so we did have almost almost 50 votes on it. Uh, but on that one, he did receive. 77% of the vote. So it was a he, – he ran with a, a landslide, and then the – at second place was a tie between Devin Booker and John Moran at 9%. Mm. Uh, but so the I, league, I'm good. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. You're fine, man. No, I was, I was going to ask. I mean, what, what do you guys think? Like, are you – if you had to choose from that selection, are you guys going with Doncic also, or any one of those other guys intrigue you? Um, at least with me, and I put it on social media, I would go with Doncic. It's not a surprise for our listeners. I love, 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 love all of those players. They're great scorers. I think a lot of them are very good passers. John Morant has this electric dynamics, like like part of his game, and I just love feeding off his energy. But the thing with Luca, he has um, just the size. I mean, these guys, these other guys are like six two and shorter, and he, he's somebody that is six seven. Uh, you usually want your top guy to be like, you know, six six or taller on a team. Like I know, um, again, I'm a huge Steph fan. It's six three, but he has like the otherworldly shooting and leadership to maybe go with it. But Luca, I think he has a game that's going to age well because it's not necessarily predicated on otherworldly um, athleticism. It seems like he's he just knows that he can dictate pace passing and shooting um and he did put the uh fear of god in those clippers in that playoff series even though like chris Stops was hurt most of the series yeah i think for right now guys i i like i said i know everybody's really high on luca i've still got some questions uh even defensively i i often hear the narrative you know uh that he can get better defensively but uh, to me like i know bob and our listeners know this my point of view but it's kind of like i i view him similar to james harden in that aspect as a fact that, you know, he that same kind of body type and, you know, Harden came in as a defender. We criticize him for that. We forget. But I don't see how Luka gets a lot better defensively, you know, for what he is. So, but yes, yeah, so with the leadership qualities, I think that's a strong point with all uh, four of those young men. So I think for right now, I would actually go with Luka myself. But I still have some more questions about his overall game, probably the more than other people do. So. Hmm. 
Well, and the one thing to say about Luca, um, he's got nine <laughs> nicknames from what I could see on basketball reference. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's getting at the Shaq, Kobe, LeBron, Michael Jordan thing with all these nicknames. So let's see if he lives <laughs> up to it. Matt, have, have you, we had one uh, question coming from Facebook. Have you heard any uh, amongst your colleagues or any other the podcasters, have you heard anything that seems like out of the realm or pretty absurd as far as expectations or maybe doubts about this upcoming year for the Bulls? Man, you know, the the craziest one I think I heard was from, really from Charles Barkley. He, he had come on to uh, ESPN 1000 here in Chicago, and he he was on the Waddle and Sylvie show, and, and he said that he thought the Bulls might be the worst team in the Eastern Conference. Um, wow. And I think that's kind of a – yeah, and I feel like that's a little bit of a – that might be a take from somebody that really probably hasn't paid attention to some of the, the changes that happened within the bulls. Um, yeah. I think the, the biggest thing here is there's, there's a whole different view in terms of player development and leadership. And he, he brought that up because of uh, B- Billy Donovan taking the bulls job. He thought that Billy Donovan was crazy to take the job. Um, and I would have totally gotten that if, if John Paxson and Gar Foreman were still running the basketball operations of the team, but they're not. Um, and there's definitely a more, I think, uh, point of emphasis on player development. There's more of a point of emphasis on actually having a, a long-term vision to eventually get to playoff and title contention. Um, I think that was the craziest one that I heard. Because, I, I mean, look, I, do I think they're going to be a, a, a lock to get into the Eastern Conference playoff picture? I, no, I, I don't think that's the case. I think there's a lot of work to do, and we have to see a lot more. But to be the worst team in the Eastern Conference, I don't, I don't see that. Like to me, Cleveland's still pretty rough, and um, I, like I know some. Like he he cited the Detroit Pistons getting better. I think they're. I don't really think Detroit's getting that much better. Um, he must have had some of those drinks during the broadcast. That thing, man. I I think so. I mean, <laughs> how many centers can you sign in the offseason? Yeah. Mason Plumlee, Jaleel, our, our Chicago's own Jaleel Okafor, and. Uh, you know, there's too many guys, and you already got a log jam at, at four, right? With Blake Griffin and yeah, Simi Abadide. It's it's a lot of redundancy. So to me, like, I don't see how that's gonna, you know, make them improve that much. So I, I don't know. Like to me, I, I think the I think the the Bulls are not gonna be in that low part of the the Eastern Conference. So I I think you know they're probably. I think they're going to be within, and I don't want to spoil maybe another question that might come up, but I, I think they're going to be probably within anywhere from seven to 10. And that of course gets you into this whole play-in scenario. So I think they're, they were going to be flirting around that level um, just based off again. And maybe I'm a little too high on Billy Donovan, but I think with play with Billy Donovan kind of sending that tone with, with these young players, I do think that they could, um, it definitely improve on where they were last year. So yeah, Charles was probably the craziest take that I heard so far on the bulls. And too, Matt, there's also the New York Knicks. We can't forget that. I mean, I know they have Obi Toppin and he he could be a really good player, but um, there's just so much dysfunction. I mean, they're going to probably in the bottom too. Yeah, the, The Knicks are an interesting, like, I think they made some odd moves this off season and also like, I don't know. I, I feel like they're trying to they're trying to do this thing that uh, some NBA teams do. And I think my my Bulls were guilty of this, where they try to say they're not necessarily, you know, tanking. They're 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 rebuilding and they're doing it in a way where they're kind of retooling, where they add little pieces that you hope maybe get you into a playoff picture. But if they don't, you can cast them away at the trade deadline. Um, I, I don't know if that's going to going to work for them and certainly like I I don't know if they have like any bona fide star on the roster or anything like that so um, they'll probably be like I don't know I could see them kind of pulling some games out of their out of their butts this year and kind of being close to where the Bulls <laughs> could be but I, I don't know like to me that's kind of like a, a it, I don't know I get to me the Knicks I I feel like there's a lot of dysfunction there you know kind of like where my Bulls were uh, not even a year ago, you know, earlier this year, there was a lot of dysfunction and, and uncertainty. And I think the Knicks are in that kind of position right now. 
Matt, I think um, in one of your recent podcasts, you actually had uh, NBC Sports Chicago's Rob Schaefer on. He covers the Bulls. And I think you were talking to him. You saw some kind of uh, Twitter poll. And um, I'm, I'm going to emphasize, too, this is not like any rumor or anything, but it was an interesting poll or, or comment about maybe a possible trade where the Bulls could be interested in James Harden, where maybe you would trade Zach Levine – uh, a player from the core for a first round pick, maybe a little more to jumpstart a rebuild since Harden's game's going to age probably pretty well. You have some control and he can maybe recruit. Uh, what do you think about the Bulls doing a move like that? I know maybe it's not, uh, you know, totally going to happen, but we, we could think about it. So See, I love think that fit my work. And, you know, some Bulls fans I know here in Chicago are raging against talk of that. Like there, this was brought up on uh, to cite ESPN 1000 again, uh, Waddle and Sylvie show. They were all against it. Um, Tom Waddle, Mark Silverman, their producers were against bringing in James Harden. Um, and the callers that called in didn't want James Harden. They, they kind of view him as this selfish high volume scorer. I look at it like this. You add James Harden, you're adding a top 10 player to your team. And the Bulls are in a position right now where I think you do at some point have to find a way to add a top 10 talent. You know, whether it's now or two years from now, you have to be able to do something like that. And I kind of look at Zach Levine and, and Laurie Markkinen as valuable players. But do I think they're going to be number ones on a championship contending team? I don't. I just I haven't seen enough yet to make me think that. Do I see them as number twos on a championship team? I'll be honest, I don't. I think maybe number threes at best. You know, I, I look at those kind of guys as like fringe all-stars. You know, I look at Laurie Markkinen as kind of like what Luol Deng was in the Tom Thibodeau era of the Chicago Bulls, where he might make the all-star team once or twice, and he's productive, but you wouldn't say like that's a, a guy that could be a catalyst or a key player on a championship level team. I just, I haven't seen that yet. Um, I love all Zach, the Duke references, Matt. Thank you. We love all the Duke references. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, and Luol's like, Bulls fans like me, man, I, I love Luol Deng. Like Luol Deng was one of my favorite Bulls to watch. So I'm not saying that in a, in a bad way or anything. Like you need those guys. You like, you need number threes on a team, but man, if you can get a, a top 10 player, you do it. So the trade that was thrown around, and, and this is credit to uh, John Sabine. He's from uh, formerly from the Bulls Outsider show uh, that was on NBC Sports Chicago for the last two seasons. Um, he brought this, this trade scenario up, and I've, I've kind of run with it with his blessing, is taking the uh, you know, upcoming draft pick, 2021 draft choice, with Zach Levine, Laurie Markkinen, Otto Porter to match salary and trading it to Houston for James Harden and PJ Tucker. And the argument that I made was if you're the bulls, you're getting Harden Tucker and you can bring them into your starting five with Kobe white, Wendell Carter. And I mean, that's, I think, a, I think it's a solid starting five. You, you could put, you know, Patrick Williams in the starting five too. Um, you still have some decent players coming off your bench, like Tomas Sadoransky. You have Thaddeus Young. You have Daniel Gafford, who's an interesting prospect still. So there's some interesting pieces where you could at least win some games in the Eastern Conference. And I think it puts you in a, a nice position where maybe you could win like 38 to, to – maybe at that point you get to that Stacey King prediction of 44. Um, so – that's that's just my opinion. And when you have a guy like James Harden, I do think he can recruit. Now, the trick tricky part here is that 2021, that free agent class has dried up rapidly in the last week. So it's kind of tough to do that recruitment when there's not a lot of free agents available. Kawhi Leonard still could be available. Um, but, you know, there's going to be a lot of competition for him if he does hit the market. And... Yeah, at that point, you got to work probably a lot of trades to make that happen. So can you pull off some type of trade for a disgruntled star? I mean, there's always guys that hit the market. We know that. There's always guys that want to move. But yeah, at that point, you might be tapped out and not have the assets to do it. But, you know, I'd be open to it. I think if you're the Bulls, you can, you can try anything. And, um, you know, we'll see. But 
it's it's a real I think it's a long shot. I think James Harden would have probably I think he'd have some skepticism about coming to Chicago because for him, you know, can he win a title within the next two to three years in a place like Chicago? Probably not unless he gets another player on the roster. So it would be tougher coming to a place like this rather than going to Milwaukee or Brooklyn or you know, one of those teams, Miami, where he could probably win a title within the next year or so. Matt, we've heard, of course, we've, over the years, we've heard the Anthony Davis rumors or we just spoke about James Harden. Would there be any other big name free agent, uh, like kind of like one of those 1A guys that you've heard about in your circles that may have interest in coming to Chicago? Of course, before the draft, I heard a lot about possibly the Bulls sending Levine and marketing to Minnesota for the number one pick or any other uh, trade rumors, anything of that nature. Well, I, I wouldn't label myself as, as having enough context to know any of that stuff. But, I mean, what, what you hear from a lot of the guys that cover the team, um, they're just kind of remaining flexible right now. I think the issue that's coming up right now is they don't know what they have, and I think the league doesn't know what they have. So making a lot of moves right now is, is really challenging. Um, you know, some of like the, the rumors that were thrown around to, to move up to number one in the draft, I think, you know, th- those I think were kind of real and I think real possibilities moving up to one or two. Um, and, you know, with Golden State, you know, watching now here with, with James Wiseman, there was rumors that the Bulls were possibly interested in moving up to the number two spot with their fourth pick and, and Wendell Carter. So if, if you could have moved up to number two, I think, I think the Bulls at that point would have gone after, um, and I know a lot of people thought they would have drafted Wiseman. I, I think they might have actually gone after LaMelo Ball in that case. And, and that would have been an interesting addition mm. to the Bulls, adding a playmaking point guard, because I think that would have actually filled two needs, somebody that's a little more of an alpha and somebody that definitely can make uh, more plays with the ball in his hands. That also allows you to maybe trade Zach Levine because you could have him and yeah, Kobe White. Yeah, I mean, White I think either one. Or, like, know? if you wanted, you could trade Kobe or you could trade Zach. I mean, I think they would have probably tried to roll with it and see, like, can either of these guys play with with LaMelo? And then probably at the deadline or in the offseason, they would have looked to move one. Like, Zach Levine, and this is not me knocking him, but, like, Zach Levine's a really easy guy to trade if you can get somebody of value because his contract is so desirable for any team that wants to add a productive player. He's only making like 19 and a half, 20 million dollars a year. And he's only got two years left on his contract. So any one of these contending teams that might have just a little bit of cap space can make this you know, work with him because a lot of these guys that are, are scoring at his clip are making a lot more money. So, you know, he, he, he hit the open market in restricted free agency when he was coming off the ACL injury. So he had only played a, a handful of games with the bulls and was kind of uneven because, you know, he was very rusty and, you know, Sacramento gave him that offer and the bulls matched it. And you know, I'm not going to lie. I actually thought they were crazy. Like I didn't think he was he was worth close to twenty million a year, and he's proved me wrong. He's proved a lot of people wrong. Um, but yeah, he's a really like he's a really desirable contract if you can get the right player or draft capital for him. And I think if I'm the Bulls, like I'm making sure that you know I just keep the phone lines open. If, if somebody wants to offer me something where I can get a nice haul for him, I might pull the trigger. Uh, last year, Matt, the Bulls were excited to get Thad Young and Tomas Sadoransky, and both of them didn't, you know, had some injury problems or fit problems with Boylan not knowing how to use them. I think they're going to uh, do a do lot better. Do um, yeah, two? it's funny. I actually, before we got to the preseason slate, I kind of thought that Tomas Sadoransky might be the starting point guard, and I know a lot of people wanted to see Kobe, and and I think that's part of the evaluation process and the reason why Billy Donovan ultimately went with him. But I think Tomas Sadoransky is going to be a big part of the rotation this year. Now, he's been sitting out games. I think it, it sounds like it's due to COVID protocols. 
Um, but, you know, I think he's somebody that when he's back is going to play a key role with the Bulls. Because the, the cool thing about Sato is he's very versatile. And he's a big 6'8 point guard, but he also can play the three if you want. So there could be scenarios where you could kind of weave him in and out of the lineup where he's playing with Kobe and Zach still on the floor. Um, so that he, he brings that level of versatility. And I do think there's a little more emphasis on moving the ball in the half court and it might help Sadoransky this season. Thad Young, you know, Thad Young to me is just a pro's pro. Like even last year, he played, I think very well. His minutes were severely down compared, compared to other years in the league. So when he got here to Chicago, I think he, his minutes reduced by almost like, you know, six or seven minutes. So I think the other production kind of went down with it a little bit, but he was still, I, I think, pretty efficient on the floor. Um, you know, for him, I think you're going to see, I think you're going to see him get a lot of minutes with, with that second unit. And, you know, he, he's another one. He didn't get a, a lot of preseason action. He's been dealing with a, a hamstring issue and, and a, I guess a, a MRSA infection too in his legs. So um, it sounds like though he, he should be ready to go for the, for the start of the season. So it'll be kind of cool to see what he can bring. Cause uh, you know, those are the two, uh, two veterans within this, in the roster. So um, and it, it's good to kind of have that with this, with this young unit to have, you know, Sadoransky who's played a lot, of course, internationally, he's only been in the NBA for three years, but has an international resume. So he's been playing for a long time and having, of course, Thad Young, who's been in the league for, you know, a little over a decade now. Um, Matt, how excited are you that the the Bulls are going to maybe look like a real NBA team because Donovan is going to have more of a pace and space offense and maybe have better defensive concepts, something that's not so antiquated. How do you think that's going to help the team with uh, maybe well, that's I think what's got me the most excited. To be like, successful. What you saw the last couple of years, I, I think, really was a result of of mainly Jim Boylan. Now, I do think like players do have a, a say in, in how their career trajectory goes and how their production in the season goes, right? Like Jim Boylan didn't tell Laurie Markkinen not to be aggressive. Uh, Jim Boylan didn't tell Zach Levine to sometimes turn to a black hole offensively, you know, but I think though he, he didn't really do a great job saying the tone. You brought up defensive principles. I mean, the whole pick and roll concept guarding that was just, I mean, atrocious and archaic, but, you know, that's what I think Billy Donovan brings. Billy Donovan brings a level of, of professionalism that I think is going to be really helpful for this team, you know. Um, and I think it's not just the concepts. What we hear, too, a lot about him is that he's made the environment around the team a lot looser, a lot friendlier than I think it was the last couple of years. You know, it, it seemed like this team didn't really enjoy coming to work every day that uh, Jim Boylan kind of was just that nagging voice in the background. And, and now they have somebody that, that they can trust. Um, I'll give you actually a really good example in the first preseason game that they, they got trounced by Houston, but I, I watched play where Daniel Gafford came out and Daniel Gafford had made some mistakes defensively. Daniel Gafford comes out of the game. Billy Donovan just pulls him aside and, and starts coaching him up a little bit, showing him where he messed up, what, you know, what areas, like, he noticed some things and just kind of pointing out, you know, what he needs to do on other plays. And you kind of just saw this in the background while some free throws were going on. Um, and I think that's, like, the kind of stuff that Billy Donovan's going to bring to the table. And, you know, for a young team like this, I think that's what you need from your head coach. So I, I do think that it, you will see tangible gains. And as I brought up earlier, it's a rough start to the season. There are a lot of playoff contending teams, championship contending teams that – they're going to have to go up against really early in the season. So I do think it might be a, I think it might be a bit of a rocky start. And by the second half of the season, I think you'll start to see them kind of pick up the pace and, and level off a little bit more or improve a bit more as the season goes on. Matt, we have a question from, uh, looks like some Michigan state fans. It was kind of a two on one. I'll ask the first part of the question. We've got some holdovers from the, last regime that people thought would be gone 
uh, in Christian Felatio and uh, the one great Denzel Valentine. First part of the question, uh, they want to know, do you what do you see coming? I know Arturis was very high on Denzel because his capability and his ability to shoot the basketball and fit within the offense. Uh, is there any chance I'm very high on Daniel Gafford as a center and thought he should have played a lot more last season, especially mm-hmm. with him and Kobe White's connection. Is there any yeah. hope for Christian Palacio in his last big contract season here? And what can we expect if Denzel is healthy? Well, yeah, Christian Felicio literally can just like load himself up into a car and drive away. Like we, <laughs> he doesn't have to do anything. Like literally, just sit, wait. Do the old Jack Haley thing that that used to happen during the the Bulls title runs. Just sit on the bench, wave a towel. Like I don't want to see him step on the floor ever again. Um, and I think I actually think the regime believes that too. Um, yeah, I think I don't think you're going to see him play any minutes. Because um, really, it, on the depth chart. For big men, you have Wendell, you have Daniel Gafford, who definitely is going to be a major part of the rotation this year. And you also have Luke Cornett. Like, I'd rather have Luke Cornett get minutes because he's a little more versatile as a shooter than ever see Cristiano Felicio on the floor. Um, and Can maybe he just go like, back to the G League, Matt, and be an all-star? I think that's where Luke Cornett should be, is in the D- G League and be an all-star. I mean, if that's the <laughs> case, then, then Cristiano Felicio should be out of the NBA. So, <laughs> just, I mean, it was one of the worst decisions that I think the previous regime made was giving him that contract. Their whole argument was, well, we had to spend money. There's a, there's a floor that we have to reach, too. You know, we, we have to spend a certain amount of money. They didn't have to give 32 mil over four years to Felicio. That was just ridiculous. But anyway, um, with, with Denzel Valentine, See, Denzel Valentine, I do like him a lot. He's, a, I think, a really solid shooter. And, I mean, he can be streaky at times. But for the most part, he, he brings a little bit of pop off the bench. He's actually a really underrated passer. Like, if you wanted, in a pinch, you could have him run the point if you wanted and play like a little bit of a point forward hybrid. The issue with him is he just can't stay healthy. Like, he has not stayed healthy his first four seasons here in the league. And – you know, you, you have to be available. And even this preseason, he wasn't really available. So I think that if that continues to be an issue, then, you know, he, you're probably not going to see him that much in the rotation. If he does get healthy, I think he can be, be used within the rotation. Um, you know, it'll be interesting because, you know, the Bulls, of course, signed Garrett Temple. Now, is Garrett Temple going to get more of those minutes than, than Denzel Valentine with the second unit? We'll see. So... Um, you know, because we didn't see Garrett Temple this preseason because he was the, uh, you know, sole Bulls player that tested positive for, for COVID. So he didn't get on the floor this preseason. But it be interesting to see who gets those minutes. Yeah, that was kind of the second part of the question, too, Matt. They had a question about what they should expect out of Garrett Temple. And correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Matt, I, I could be incorrect. Is Devin Dotson from Kansas, is he still on a two-way contract? Or is he still – did he make the active roster as well? Yeah, he's on a two-way with the okay. with the Bulls. So, you know, and, and that's an interesting, like, player there, too. I know that, that some Bulls fans are kind of curious to see where, where he might be. Like, honestly, um, I, you know, I don't know if these guys are going to be really used a lot in the rotation. And, like, even with Temple, like, I'm, I'm not sure. Because even Donovan said they might go more of a nine-man rotation than a ten-man rotation. So – who's the odd man out in this case? Because you look at the starting five. If, if we were projecting Patrick Williams to be a starter, you have Kobe, Zach, Patrick, Williams, Laurie, Wendell. And then you have Sato, Thad Young, um, Daniel Gafford. So then, you know, you're looking at guys like, uh, then again, if, if we go with this scenario where Patrick starts, then you're talking Otto Porter Jr. So, you know, who, if they do a 10-man rotation, I, it's kind of like a, a pretty good long jam there of, of who might get it. So, um, you know, it'll be kind of cool to see what they do. Absolutely. And that, that's a, the key thing. I know a lot of fans are excited about some of the fresh faces and, and new players on the roster. Um, and, uh, Bob, what do you think about Because I know you're a big uh, you're a big Christian Palacio fan. Do you agree with that comment from earlier? Thank <laughs> you.
Uh, well, I mean, I think and Matt probably knows this too. They have that argument about a salary floor, but I'm just curious why they didn't spend it um, on another player because you could have, if you liked him, you could have given him less money. I'm happy for the young man getting money. He was a soccer player who converted to basketball. It kind of shows at times. But um, oh, I, I'm wondering too, absolutely. Matt, do you think they did that uh, and, on purpose? But with you know what's so mind? weird about that? I think they went into that summer knowing, hey, we're gonna we're going to we're gonna tank this season. But they also made very contradictory moves, like giving Felicio a big contract. That would be a sign. But then they brought the Miracle, which was kind of a surprise. And you know, and and prevented them from getting a higher draft choice. You know, games they've been running for. Wendell Carter, and I like Carter, but I'd rather have a higher impact player like Luka Doncic, or even you know, had Trey Young would have been a, a better choice for the Bulls at this point. Um, but yeah, like it, it, it was sort of a weird, it was, it was sort of a weird move, and it, like he has Dwayne Wade to thank for that contract because Dwayne Wade basically would lob him a bunch of balls off the pick and roll, and you know that was how he would get maybe like six, seven points a game off the bench. So he has Dwayne Wade to thank for his, for his nice little payday. Cause he'll never see that kind of money again. I mean, he'll be lucky if he gets an opportunity with any other team, I, I would be stunned. Like the only thing that he has left this year is if the bulls need to make a trade and they have to move salary, that might be the only value Cristiano Felicio offers right now. Matt, and Matt, I know you've uh, been here in Chicago, uh, you know, covering the Bulls with the podcast. And they, uh, what would your they ask? Who would some of your like favorite Bulls be uh, of all time? Not not Jordan or Pippen, but some like maybe three or four of the names that some of your favorite players that you covered or got to see, excluding Jordan and Pippen. Oh well, I mean, probably if we go championship era, Tony Kukoc was one of my favorites. Tony Kukoc. If he had arrived in the NBA in 2015, that guy would have been a freaking stud. That guy would have been an all-star caliber forward in the league. He would have been a point forward, probably averaging about 20 and, you know, seven assists. Um, I, just way before his time. Um, yes. Some more recent bulls, like Derrick Rose has a soft spot uh, in my heart because Derrick Rose and I are the same age. So, like, when I watch yeah. the pros, um, you know, I, I kind of feel that connection because I'm in college while he's, you know, lighting up the league at a young age. And, like, if Derrick Rose had been healthy, um, I think he would have been on the Russell Westbrook arc. You know, I think he would have been somebody that would have consistently been scoring 20, 22, 23 points a game, seven assists. They would have been consistent all-star every year, but, you know, the injuries caught up to him. I'm glad that he's sort of back in the league and a, and a productive player again. Um, you know, that's, it's love seeing him, but he definitely has a, you know, I definitely have a soft spot for him. Jimmy Butler was somebody I always really liked. Um, now with Jimmy Butler though, I think there's a lot of Bulls fans that fetishize over him um, to the point where like they want what the heat have. Um which I don't know, like to me, I, I'm happy with what he did this in the playoffs, but I also think that the Miami Heat aren't by any means like this world beating title contender. I think in a normal scenario, they probably don't get to the finals if they had to go on the road in an actual playoff scenario. But, you know, maybe I'm just a hater. I don't know. Um, but, you know, I, I think some Bulls fans like, they're kind of in this position where they wanted to give Jimmy Butler or have the, have guard packs, give Jimmy Butler that super max. I, I don't think he was worth that, but I think some Bulls fans, you know, see what we're seeing now and they wish that happened. But, you know, to me, you got to be a top 10 player for that. And I think that's where the debate happens, you know, amongst Bulls fans. They, I think there's some that do think Jimmy Butler is a top 10 player. I, I don't know if that's the case. Like, I use this a lot, and if you, if you hear my podcast, I'll say this all the time. 
there's superstars and then there's all-stars and there is a difference. You know, you can be an all-star. That doesn't mean that you're a superstar caliber player. Like when I think superstar, I think LeBron, Giannis, Kawhi Leonard, um, you know, I, I put James Harden in that class. I know some people might raise their eyebrow at that comment, but I do think he's a superstar. Um, that's, that's the caliber of player that I'm thinking of. Jimmy Butler, like, I love what he brings as a two-way player. But, you know, there's nights where he might only score, like, 11 points and shoot god-awful from the field. So, you know, you can't really rely on that all the time. And, like, it, again, it, some Bulls fans are thinking a little too crazy with him. But I, I do like Jimmy Butler, having said all of that. I do like Jimmy Butler. That's one bull that I always have a, a soft spot for, too. But, um, yeah, like, it, it's really hard because – Bulls fans are kind of spoiled. So we have a, a very keen eye because of, you know, the 90s. You grew up when I grew up. Um, I'll throw out some other names. I, I've mentioned Luol Deng. Luol Deng is definitely somebody I have a, um, you know, definitely loved watching because he was somebody that worked himself into being an all-star over time, making some all-star teams, and was really a good two-way player. Really, really solid defender. Um, and, of course, Joe Kim Noah. I think in the Fibs Bowls, if you had to pick a player that embodied Tom Thibodeau's teams, it's probably Joe Kim Noah, even more than, than Derek Rose. Um, because those teams where, where Derek wasn't playing on, and the, the years where he was dealing with the ACL, I mean, Joe Kim Noah was the, the heart and soul of that team. So he was always fun to watch. Uh, Matt, I know sometimes the Bulls can be a, a tough watch, and this might not be good for your brand, but I guess to get um, some sanity to see better basketball, know, I, are there any players that I really like, like to watch from time to time? Is uh, of course the Golden State Warriors. Um, I, I feel like they're that. I mean, like they're must see TV. Um, now, last that's my year was a little rough because you man. had really nobody in the lineup <laughs> for them. But you know, I'm kind of I'm kind of excited to see what they can do, especially with with some of these other guys in the fold with Wiseman in the fold, Wiggins in the fold, it'll be kind of fun. Um, I do like another team that I'm a, a big fan of is um, I do like the, the, the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, and I know some people, you know, hate when you just talk up the really good teams or a team that just won a title, uh, but I do like to watch LeBron James. And I think the, the older I get, the more I respect him. I think as a Bulls fan, I was always kind of jealous seeing what was going on with Miami, the fact that he had jilted the Bulls that summer of 2010. Um, but I've come to respect him a lot more. I appreciate his game a lot more. Uh, I don't like the Jordan comparison stuff. It, it gets just annoying, uh, you know, year after year having that sorry argument. But um, it's always fun to watch him play. And I, I do like this kind of retooled and actually much better roster they're going to have this year. So I'm looking forward to watching them. Um, but, yeah, I think those are the, the two teams that I probably really do enjoy watching night in and night out. Uh, I think I'll go on to the list this year just to see how this whole situation plays out as the Warriors opponent tonight, the, the Brooklyn Nets, uh, just because I want to see – well, first of all, it's nice to have KD back. Um, but, but seeing him and Kyrie Irving – for a full season together with Steve Natch on the bench. I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. I, you know, whether it's, it's productive or a complete shit show, I'm, I'm all for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, I miss Katie. I kind of yeah. miss having him well, on the Warriors where you could see I, I'm sure there's, him there's a lot of people that though didn't like that time, because, you know, you know, if you had a team in the Western Conference, it wasn't <laughs> fun. Like if you're a Houston Rockets fan, you don't like it. Absolutely. And Matt, in, in closing up, we're going to we're going to see to if we want to know our fans want to know we did our some of our NBA predictions last week with a few of our guests. Can we get your predictions, Matt, what you think may be happening for MVP for Rookie of the Year uh, and so forth? Can we start, maybe start with, we'll start with Rookie of the Year. I know we talked about 
the Bulls on Pat Williams. You're gonna go with Pat Williams. You got another another vote for Rookie of the Year. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be boring. I'm gonna say Lamelo Ball. Um, I think I think he ends up with Rookie of the Year award. Uh, MVP. I'm gonna go with Luka Doncic. I think this is Luka Doncic's breakout season. Um, and look, I mean, he kind of started to break out last year, but I think he takes another step this year. And I think I think seals the MVP award this year. I mean, so then look, Luka, if he's got another level, like, he's going to be like super. I kind of look at it like, like when, like uh, uh, and again, this is like, you know, <laughs> kind of easy comparison because I'm, I'm a Bulls fan. But, you know, Derrick Rose was like all-star caliber his first two years in the league. And you really started to see him on the playoff stage playing well. And it was exciting. And then year three came and you were like, wait, there's another year. Um, so I think that's what's going to happen with, with Luca this, this year. Um, and that's probably not that bold of a take. But um, I don't know. I just think he's, he's poised for it. And, you know, I think you might see the you know, possibility where he, he could be leading the league in scoring. And also, you know, top five maybe in assists. Just really highly productive this year. Uh, that's a great take too. And and in closing, Matt, can again, can you tell if some of our listeners weren't on the beginning of the call? Can you tell us again where they can find you at your social media um, blogs and sites? Sure. Yeah. The uh, my social handle is at for Twitter is at mgentil88. That's uh, gentil spelled G-E-N-T-I-L-E. The Rebuildable Twitter handle is Rebuild underscore A underscore Bowl. And you can find the Rebuildable podcast wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, basically anywhere you get them. We're, we're there. And closing, Matt, too, can we get your, your final call for the Bulls? We don't need it. We're not doing over-under, but what would you say is realistic? Would you say 35 wins, 30, 40? Uh, I'm going to say 32 wins. I'll say they get to 32. Um, if everybody in that, that core four that we talked about play up to their level and Patrick Williams plays you know, at a highly productive level for his first season, then maybe they get to like just over 500 this year, maybe like 37 this year. Because, again, reminder, it's a 70. 10 games left. Yep. Bob, how about yourself? What, what would you say the Bulls' final? What would you say their your expectation? You know, I'm kind of been pessimistic on the Bulls for a while. I do think they're in the right direction, but the East got a hell of a lot better, especially with the Hawks gearing up, and it looks like the Sixers have have a better plan. The Nets have KD, so you're losing a lot of spots. But if they even if they get about 32 wins, if, if they sneak to the 10th spot, you know, they have a chance to jump in, though you'd have to win two in a row. Um, I think they're going to kind of be in that level. Um, I'm hoping, I mean, if they make that level, guys, it, it's kind of like maybe a step forward, maybe a step and a half, because, I mean, they've been bad to watch the last three years. So um, I, I, I think I'm a little more cautious. Yeah, I, I optimistic, definitely agree. Though, I, I do think, think as you uh, kind of met, right kind of quite earlier, if even like the other team we mentioned, or the Knicks kind of play up to their, they play up to, higher expectations with Thibodeau and some of their talent. If they're in that 10 to, you know, 10, uh, 8 to 10 seed, they get the playoff game into the play-in game, I should say, that would be it. But I'll, I'll go the same as uh, as Matt. I'll say 32 wins as well. That sounds about right, the 32 and 40 season, a few games under 500. Well, Matt, thank you so much for coming on Bajic and Brown Hoops Up and Down. Uh, we uh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it, guys. It was, it was great, you know, chopping up shop with you. Thank yeah, you thank for you, man. On. It was a pleasure to meet you, sir, and it's definitely a great, great podcast. Thank you. Thank you. You guys, and we want to thank you again for uh, joining us for the uh, first episode of the second season of Bajic and Brown Hoops Up and Down podcast, episode number 33. Enjoy opening night, folks. Uh, Brooklyn and Golden State are almost at halftime, and as Bob mentioned earlier, we got the All-LA matchup later on with Lakers and Clippers. The Bulls play tomorrow night, so look forward to that at 7 p.m. Everybody have a great evening. Thank you.